Would you open your Bibles over to Isaiah chapter 55? Isaiah 55. How many of you are ready to get into the Word this morning? Thank you, Rebecca. Rebecca is such a blessing. So, so I have a word that God has put on my heart this morning, and I'm going to get to that scripture in just a second, uh, but I just want to make a, a couple statements first. Um, you know, when Israel was in bondage in Egypt... They had, gone to, they had gone to Egypt. You remember that initially they weren't in bondage. They had gone, uh, Jacob and his family, there's about 70 of them. They went to Egypt because their famine, famine was so severe. And God used Joseph to save the family, right? Well, God had a plan all along. He made a, a, a covenant with Abraham. And he made a promise to Abraham. He promised a couple of things. One is he said, your family is going to be like the sand on the seashore. He said, look at the stars. Try and count the stars. He said, that's that's how many descendants you're going to have. But the other promise was this. He said, said, your family is going to go to another land, and they're going to be in bondage for over 400 years. And then I'm going to bring them back here, and I'm going to give them this land. And so we call it the promised land. The promised land. It's a place of rest, it's a place of tranquility, it's a place of, um, uh, you know, a place where heaven can come to earth, the promised land, right? And so in that scenario, when, when he began to talk about Egypt and how they would go to Egypt and they, or they would be in this place of bondage and that, but God would deliver them, it was a, it was a, it was a type of what Jesus was going to do for you and I. That Jesus would come, that he would die on the cross, that he would pay the price. And through the finished work of the cross, you and I would be freed from bondage. That we would come out of this land of bondage and we would be able to walk into the promised land that God has for us. And the promised land is not sometime in heaven in the sweet by and by only. He intended for it to be here. Heaven on earth. In fact, Jesus instructed us to pray, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? All right. Okay. So, so let's read this scripture in Isaiah 55. Interesting that God took, before I read it, sorry, one more statement. <laughs> the, the interesting that when God took the Israelites out of Egypt, they were freed from Egypt. But Egypt was still on the inside of them. Salvation was what brought them out of Egypt. But sanctification was what they needed to get free from the mentality and the mindset of Egypt. Does that make sense? Okay, I just wanted to say that before we read this because that's important to say. So Isaiah 55, look at verse 7. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, this is not God just saying, 
hey, I'm smarter than you. I think at a higher level than you. I, my ways are much higher than you. No, let's go back to the very first verse that I read in verse 7. It says, let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. What God is trying to do is say, hey, I want you to come up in the way that you think so you can come up in the way that you act. I want your mind to be renewed to think the way I think so that your actions will be the same actions that I have. Man, what a blessing. So God is not boasting about this. He wants us to come up. So the Israelites, think about this. They've been slaves for 430 years. I know some theologians, you know, that they didn't go there as slaves. They went there, you know, as free men. And the slave thing came later, you know, some estimate. I don't even want to throw the number out because I don't want to confuse you. But let's just, they were in Egypt for 430 years is the point. And it wasn't a happy stay. It turned into a really bad stay. And so God delivers them. Now think about this. They've heard all of their life that one day they're going to be delivered. Joseph even told them when he died, he said, listen, don't leave my bones here. Don't leave my body here. When you guys leave, you take me with you. Even though I'm not there, you take my physical body with you, right, when you leave. So think about it, though, 430 years that they've been there. Now, I, I was thinking back, my dad and my granddad and Zach and I were all 30 years apart. So my dad was born in 1937. I was born in 19. 67, those of you that are math people. And then Zach was born in 2007, right? No, when were you born? 1996. 1996, whoa, yeah. It's that new millennial math, you know, I mean, no. Yeah, okay, so 1996, right before 97, because he was born in December. And then my granddad was born way back. 1907, thank you. There may, not, there may not have been 30 years between my granddad and my dad, I'm not sure. But he was born a long time ago. But this is only spanning 120 years. You know, and so you think about all the generations that have lived in, in 430 years of people living. In, and think about the mindset, the mindsets that could develop in 430 years that we're in the same place, that we're in bondage, that, that we're not able to do certain things. Let me, let me try to put that into a different perspective. I met a guy here that had been in prison, met him here at church, that he had been in prison for 24 years. And so he was paroled and he got out. Well, I was thinking back, 24 years ago, there weren't cell, I mean, there were cell phones, but that you carried them in a bag, you know, right? I mean, they looked like a brick. And it was $3.50 a minute or whatever. I mean, it was something crazy, right? So, so we didn't have the cell phone technology that we have today. We didn't have the flip phones and the screens and, and all that. We didn't, we didn't have a lot of that stuff. So anyway, I'm thinking, as I'm talking to this guy, and he's telling me I was in for 24 years, I asked him, I said, man, dude, what is that like out here for you? And he said, it's, it's very scary. And he began to tell me, he said, you know, when I was in prison, they told me when to eat, they told me when to sleep, when to go to the bathroom, when to, and what I was going to eat. He said, and there was all this 
stuff that I, ne- I didn't get to make decisions on. He said, now I'm out and I, and I have all these decisions that I can make. And I'm, I'm like, whoa, whoa, well, I got all these options. So think about now from that perspective, let's go back to the children of Israel. The children of Israel now, 430 years. They begin to cry out because, I mean, their oppression is so bad. They begin to cry out. God sends Moses. And now suddenly plagues begin to take place. Water is turned to blood. Whoa. What happened to the water? Right? I mean, gnats and flies come. And and there's so many. The sky turns dark. I mean, they have hail and fire that rains down. I mean, try to put yourself in this position where you're seeing all this stuff for the first time. I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing locusts come. I mean, you're seeing, the, you're seeing uh, you know, you put the blood on your doorposts and, and the firstborn of animals and people die. And then God delivers you and you make it all the way to the Red Sea and now you're stuck and you're sitting here at the Red Sea and wondering, uh, I think it'd be better if we just died in Egypt, you know, and somehow, you know, God's suddenly not able to do all, after all these miracles what he's always done, but he proves himself again. He splits the Red Sea and they walk across on dry ground. That's crazy. They get across. And so now here they are in the wilderness and they come all the way into the wilderness. But here's my question to you. Where is God bringing them? Where does he want to eventually take them? Where does he want their final destination to be as a nation? The promised land. So he brings them into the wilderness. So where does God bring them? He brings them to Mount Sinai. This is the mountain of God. This is where God's presence is going to come. This is where he met with Moses. Remember he told Moses, he said, I'm going to bring you and the children of Israel here to myself. What did God want? He wants fellowship with his kids. See, God didn't want Moses to be the only person that he talked to. He didn't want to just have a relationship with Moses only. That was not God's plan. He wanted to bring the children of Israel to himself. He wanted all of them to come up on the mountain, experience my glory, experience my presence. But they didn't want to. They were afraid. They said, no, 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 Moses, you talk to God. We'll stand back here. You just tell us what he said. What's the problem? They wanted salvation, but they didn't want sanctification. Does that make sense? Because I know sometimes I say things, and I'm, I'm looking at I'm watching you intently because, you know, I, sometimes I, I say stuff to my dog Oliver, and he goes, <laughs> he torques his head like this, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to say it any different, dude. I mean, you know, you don't speak English, you know. But, and so I get concerned when I'm preaching and I see people do the same thing. Okay, so I want to make sure I'm clear. They wanted salvation, not sanctification. Think about this. They, they wanted salvation in that what, what, what was their, the history of Israel is littered with them disobeying, Bad things beginning to happen, them crying out, and God saving them. And then he wants to bring them to themselves, and they're like, no, 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 we just wanted saved. Sometimes in the type of ministry that we do with the warehouse, 
and blessing people, you know, people find out about you. <laughs> and we try not to let anybody come to the warehouse. That's not our, the most excellent plan. Because sometimes people have a tendency to shop. Oh, I need one. Yeah, I could use one. And, it, and I, we, don't, we don't mind. It's not that we want to restrict people. But, you know, there's an excellent way to do ministry. And sometimes people are, are they're around until we bless them and then they disappear. And it's like, we want to keep relationship. You know, we, we don't want this to be the last time that we bless you. We don't want, so imagine that same concept that God feels that way about you. I don't want this to be the last, I, I don't just want to save you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to help bless your life. And I want to take you to a promised land that is so far above and beyond a a physical destination. I thought it was good, John. That was, yeah. So they, thank you. So they've never been free before, and so now they're free. So every day that was mapped out for them before, now they have freedom to make decisions. They have freedom to make choices, right? And so God brings them to Mount Sinai. And so turn over to Numbers 13, if you don't mind. You got your Bible? Numbers chapter 13. It's a book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Numbers. So once you get to Numbers, and you hit chapter 13, let's look at verse 27. So what's gone on is is they've come into the wilderness, they've come to Mount Sinai, they didn't want to go up on the mountain, Moses goes up on the mountain, and then Moses decides to send 12 spies into the promised land. The promised land being the land that God wants them to end up in, right? So these 12 spies go and they spy out the land. They check everything out. They come back and this is the report back to Moses. In verse 27, they say, Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They said the fruit was so big it took two of them to carry it between them on a pole. Boy, that's some big fruit. And so... Nevertheless, listen to verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, that's the giants, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So what happened? Ten of them came back and said, can't be done. It's impossible. It's impossible. Even though God has delivered them from probably at that time the greatest nation on the earth. God has done all those miracles. Ten of them come back and say it's impossible. Two, Joshua and Caleb stand up and say we need to go now because God has given us the land. In fact, they said God, their defenses have been removed. Think about that statement. Their defenses have been removed. God has given us the land. Let's go in, possess it. So what happened? Ten of them died in the wilderness. Two of them got to go in 40 years later. Took 40 years. 
Joshua and Caleb got to go into the land. What was wrong? The mindset. They were saved from Egypt, but Egypt was never taken out of them. They were never sanctified in their mind the way that they think. This is what happens to a lot of Christians. Many Christians get saved because they want to be saved from hell. But there's a washing that needs to happen in our life. It's the washing of the water of the Word of God. When we read the Word of God, it washes us and it changes who we were into who God has designed us to be. We become a new creation in Christ. Old things, old mindsets pass away. And new mindsets become new. So then, no longer are you a sinner saved by grace trying to obey God. Your mind has been renewed and you're obeying Him because He has changed your very nature. That's a whole lot different. Now you're not trying to live saved. God has saved you. I read, I read this story recently. I have a picture of this tiger on my iPad. I don't know if you can see it. You guys see that tiger? Oh, my word. You put it on the deal. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't think to, that they would do it. Wow, good job. Created team. Okay. So I want to read this story. So according to an account, many years ago, this tiger's name is Mahini. Mahini. Uh, he was a stunningly beautiful, she was a stunningly beautiful white tiger that lived in the United States National Zoo in Washington, D.C. during the 1960s. The magnificent animal had been given as an extraordinary gift to President Eisenhower um, and to the American people from India in a ceremony at the White House on December 5th, 1960. Mahini was a star attraction. Even in her 12 by 12 cage of iron bars and cement floor, she would pace back and forth, occasionally roaring to the delight of the zoo visitors. And the zoo began planning a much larger natural habitat in which this white tiger could roam freely in acres of forest with rolling hills and a large pond. Finally, the expansion project was completed. A large, enthusiastic crowd gathered to witness Mahini being released into the lush new playground. The story goes, everyone was surprised. Instead of romping through the new park, Mahini headed straight for a perimeter wall at the enclosure's edge and began pacing back and forth like she was in a 12 by 12 imaginary cage, just the way that she had done <clears throat> up to that point. Over time, the imaginary space was worn bare of grass. Sadly, Mahini stayed in this tiny corner at the wall the remainder of her life, oblivious to the freedoms that she had. What happened? Mindset. Mindset kept her in bondage. See, the story of Israel coming out of Egypt, Egypt not coming out of the Israelites is the concept of that is that they're free from bondage, but they're still in bondage. 
I've met a lot of guys that have gotten out of prison and, and they can tell if a person's bound or not. I've talked to them about it. I've talked to guys that were free even though they were behind bars being told when to be where and what to do. Why? Because freedom is a nature thing. It's a mindset that has been renewed and you have taken on the nature of him. Oh, man. And what a nature to take on because Jesus brought us out of slavery. Come on, we, are no, we sing it. We are no longer slaves to sin. That can't just be words on a screen. That's got to be a life lived. That's got to be a nature that has been changed on the inside of us. And if that hasn't been changed on the inside of you, you need some, to spend some more time in the presence of God and allow Him to let His Word sink deep into your heart. And less time on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. You know, Jesus, when Lazarus had died, he waited until he did die. And then after the fourth day went, took his disciples He stood out in front of the tomb, asked them to open the tomb. They opened it up. Must have smelled real bad. He's been in there long enough. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. One theologian said it was a good thing he called his name because he feels like every other grave would have opened up. That would have been fun. (laughs) All these people, come forth. Called him by name. Lazarus comes walking out. What did Lazarus have on? What was the first thing that Jesus asked them to do? Remove the grave clothes. Why? What what do the grave clothes represent? Death. Man, many people get saved, but they forget to take their grave clothes off. They're still walking around in the old stuff. Well, you know, I just, it's only by the grace of God that I got saved. No, God has a whole lot more for you. He has a whole lot more for you. How many of you remember the movie Annie? I'm talking way back, do you, ever, you know? Okay, so I know they've done remakes, but I like the one back there. So, so I mean, when at the very end, when, when Daddy Warbucks adopts her, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal because he's like Daddy Big Bucks, right? You know? He's like, there's not going to be a problem. Everything's going to be taken care of. You're never going to need and want again. I mean, she had been in all these bad situations. What if he adopted her and she refused to receive the things that he wanted to do for her and give her? No, I want to wear the same dress I've been wearing. I don't want anything new. That's how ridiculous it is for you and I as Christians to step into a relationship with Jesus and try to hold on to our grave clothes. Okay. So, man, Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thanks in his heart, so is he. For as a man thanks in his heart, so is he. So the key for us as Christians is to change the way we think. If 
if we can find out what God says and we can align our minds with what he says and with his truth, then the outcome will change. The outcome of our life will change. So I want to mention a couple more things and then I'm going to pray for you. You know, the children of Israel doing what they did where they would cry out, God would save them, and then they would go back to living a life or of, of sin or what you know or whatever. And they would fall away from him again. Is the same as you and I coming to the Lord in prayer and only when we need something. See, because God wants to hear from us more often than when it's election season. And God, please give us this candidate. We need this candidate. How do, you, how do we think he feels? Sugar daddy. We're coming to him when we need something. One of the things that I encourage people to do, because every Monday night we have soak. It's at our house. If you want to come to soak tomorrow night, you can. You can just check with them at the, at the How Can We Help You table, and they'll give you our address. And it starts at 6.30 tomorrow night. But the thing about soak, and one thing I mention to people when, we're, when we get together and we, and we pray and we spend time with Jesus is don't bring your list in here. God knows you have needs. But he wants to spend time with you. My daughter was here yesterday because she had a couple of shoots that she was doing. She does photo, family photos for different people. And, and so she gets called often to come back. And we're thrilled because we get to see her, you know. But I found out she was going to be at my house for two hours. So you know what I did? I cleared everything. I had other stuff that I needed to work on. But I said, no, these two hours, I'm going to get FaceTime with Becca. Man, that's how God feels. God feels that way about us, that he wants FaceTime with you, not FaceTime. He wants face-to-face interaction. He wants time where you're not bringing, always bringing your need. You and I are bringing our need. Because what would that feel like? That we come and God, we need you to do a breakthrough and then God does a breakthrough and then, then we're good for a while until we have another crisis. Then we need God to Give us a breakthrough on that one. No, I want to encourage you, man. Man, get, get on your face daily. Get in his presence daily. Spend time with him. Amen. So why did they refuse to go into the promised land? The children of Israel. The first group. The second group got to go, but it was 40 years later. Why? There's giants there. There's giants there. The cities are fortified. There's armies that are more prepared. They said, we were like grasshoppers in their sight, and we were also grasshoppers in our own sight. Well, how do you know you're a grasshopper in somebody else's sight? Can you get in there and read their mind, see how they're looking at you? How do you know that you're a grasshopper? I thought, wait a minute, I thought greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Wait a minute. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to survive. I want to thrive in this Christian life. I want, to, I want to thrive in his presence because in his presence is fullness of joy. 
in his presence is me being able, when offense comes my way, to live free from offense. It's me being able to, when hurt comes my way, to not live hurt, but to live free from hurt. It's me not taking things personally from people. It's me taking him personally. That he means that much to me. Wow. Well, I want to pray for you this morning. So I just really had that on my heart to share. I don't even know what the title of that message is. But I will say this. God has a promised land for every person in this room. And he wants you to step into it. He doesn't want us to die in the wilderness. He wants us to step into everything. Because what the promised land represents is your full potential. The full potential of your life. What God can do in you. And it's way beyond anything you could ask up or think. It's anything, it's way beyond anything you could imagine. Wow. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Father. First of all, if you would bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I just want this to be personal. I want this to be between you and God. If you're here and you say, Phil, I hear what you're saying. I've walked away from God, or maybe you were with God and you've walked away from Him, or maybe you have never, maybe you prayed a prayer, but you've never given Him everything and decided, I I want to have a relationship with you. I don't just want to come to the altar and pray some prayer, make me feel better. I want to know you, Father. If that's you this morning, you either want to come to God or you need to come back to God. You've been away from him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all around the room. I want to pray for you. If that's you. If that's you, anybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Let me pray for you for the promised land. Father, I just thank you for every person here, Lord, that you have a promised land for them. Lord, it's a place of tranquility. It's a place of hope. It's a place of freedom and a place of peace. Lord, that it is a place that you have called us to as Christians. Lord, where we can enter into your rest like Hebrews 4 talks about. Lord, it's a place of healing for our emotional state. It's a place of healing for our physical well-being. God, it's a place of healing for our spirit. Lord, I thank you for that promised land. And God, we choose to live beyond the prayer and live in relationship with you. God, thank you for your presence here.